All right, welcome to Financial Wisdom for Worrisome Times, class number four, the final class, the grand finale this evening, and uh, looking forward to it. I hope this evening will be very practical. I hope it'll be interactive as well as we tackle the topic of budgeting, particularly freedom of budgeting. So we are on the last leg here, our first week by way of review. We took a really a theological stance, understanding just of how we are to view finances and possessions in the Bible. If you recall, I likened the stool that we're to stand on, a theological truth. We talked about three stool legs. Number one, we took about was Christ is our treasure. Secondly, heaven is our home. And thirdly, we are stewards and not owners. And I think that last leg of the stool, that third point, really, we're going to talk about this evening, has great relevance to the topic of budgeting, of being a steward of God's assets, of what rightfully belongs to him. Well, I have a quote here in the top of your notes. I love from Randy Alcorn. He says this, If we wish to think about money and possessions... As the world thinks, we need do absolutely nothing. Conformity is as natural as swimming downstream. Conformity is as natural as swimming downstream. And that is definitely true when it comes to how we handle money. But tonight we're going to swim upstream, right? Swim upstream. How? By talking about budgeting. Having and, yes, using a budget. But I realize when we name the word, or we use the word budget, there can be some kind of, I don't know, negative connotations there. We tend to think of budget, we tend to think of what? Uh, Restrictions. When we hear the word budget, we often think of drudgery. Perhaps when you think of the word budget, you think no fun. No fun at all. Pure work. Well, my goal in part this evening is to equate the word budget with freedom. Budget is our friend, okay? So meet your new friend tonight, budget. And we're going to talk a lot about the benefits of the budget as well as just some different budget busters as well as we seek, seek to be better stewards of our money. So you see in your notes there, A, the benefits of a budget. Why would we, why do we need a budget? Well, I believe that the budget can be a safeguard against the following things. Foolish Impulse spending, which we've spoken about, class two in particular. Number two, purchases rooted in greed, selfishness, or jealousy. Thirdly, it can be a safeguard against unhealthy levels of debt and financial pressure. Fourthly, and this relates to that third leg of the stool, using money God wants us to invest in his kingdom on our own earthly pursuits. It safeguards us in the money, in our stewardship of God's money, that we would have money to invest in his kingdom over our own selfish pursuits. And five, regular conflicts about money with our spouse or family members. Budget equals freedom. Particularly in this last point here, for those of you who are married perhaps, you can relate that oftentimes you have to make hard financial choices together, don't you? And usually there's one in the the relationship who's the spender and one who's the more frugal type, right? In God's 
infinite wisdom, he puts two together often quite alike and complement one another. Well, for me, I'd be more at a person perhaps a little more conservative in my spending. And thus, if I don't have a budget, I can often feel like the no man in our house, i.e., Cindy would have a great idea to buy this or go out and spend. And if I don't have a budget, it, it often, I just feel like I'm, I'm saying no. It can often even, at times, lead to conflict. But with a budget, it can work differently. We have together agreed upon our budget. We've gone through it, what our expenditures are, what is our budget, for example, for eating out for a given month, what our budget is for grocery, what our budget is for gifts. Even this last Tuesday, which was a date night, we went out and I looked at my budget and realized that we did not have enough money in the budget to go out to dinner, at least if we wanted to do that in the following week. So we realized we had to make a choice. But I didn't have to be the bad guy or the fall guy. I could simply appeal to the budget, which we agreed upon, saying, you know what, looking at the budget here, hon, I don't know if we have enough money to at least go out to a dinner tonight. But instead of me being the one to say no, I could appeal to the budget. Let's make a choice. Maybe we can go out in two weeks, but we can't do it probably tonight if we want to go out then. So we could agree upon it. We had something we had previously agreed upon. It's called a budget. And the cool thing was, we agreed, you know what, we can go, go get some coffee, go get dessert. Shortly after that, someone came back to our house, unknown to us, and gave us a gift card that evening for a restaurant. So, you know, God's so kind. We were set, content to go out for coffee, and yet we were given this gift. But a budget helped us in that process to discern what to do. It was our guide for that evening. And there was peace in the decision. I believe even God honored it as well in a very small but tangible way, just showing he does care even about these small things. Well, living by a budget as well can help us to cultivate at least three fruits of the Spirit. I'm sure there's more, but these are the big three in my mind. Faithfulness, budget takes work, ongoing maintenance to both keep it up to date and to consult it. It takes self-control as well. It's one thing to have a budget. It's another thing to live by it. So it takes self-control, <laughs> making sure it's actually accurate and actually serves you in the decisions that you do make self-control, and also patience, particularly if you're on a savings plan or you're paying down debt. It takes faithfulness and patience, sometimes over many months, even years, to get in a place of financial health. Living by a budget tests our convictions and reveals our belief, particularly in the area that we mentioned, that we truly are simply stewards of what God owns and has entrusted to us. What are some steps to making a budget? Maybe before I go into that, can I just see a show of hands? How many of you here have and use a budget right now currently? All right, so about half so far. Well, let me go through the steps if you do not yet have a budget. This is simple. Uh, I think it's self-explanatory, but you have to start somewhere. And then number one, step number one, I would encourage you to list out all your monthly expenditures in the home. That is, keep an expense journal for at least 30 days. You may be surprised at where your money is going. In fact, I guarantee if you don't have a budget, you will be surprised at where your money is going and all the different areas to which it goes as well. So the first step in making a budget is listing where you're actually spending your money. What are you spending on? Where does it go? All right? Keeping an expense journal. Every expenditure that you make in a given month should be written down, however small. All right? Secondly, list your available monthly income as well. 
Some of you have a fixed monthly income. Others, maybe in sales, or it differs. It might vary from month to month. If that is the case, it does vary. I would encourage you to look back over what you've made even over the last year and seek to find an average over 12 months that you can put down for your monthly income, realizing it may vary. It may be higher some months, maybe lower other months. Step three, begin to track your income and expenses, all right, together. And then step four, compare your income versus expenses. That's the fun part, isn't it? The moment of truth, right? You may already know the moment of truth. This just only confirms what you already know, that sneaking suspicion, right? <laughs> As you look at the balance in your checking account. Well, step four, if your income exceeds total expenses, hey, all right. You still have some work to do, but you're in a good place. You now only have to implement a method of budget control, all right? However, if your expenses, expenses exceed your income, you got some more work to do, don't you? In that case, obviously, it's either earn more income or cut your expenses, right? You got two choices there. And we're going to look at the latter. We're going to take some time to do that this evening. Because whether right now you're in a good place, you're in the black, or you're in the red, I think we could all do a good job and fine-tune our budget by looking at areas that perhaps we can lower through a little intentionality, thought, and foreplanning as well. So those are your steps. Number five, set up a budget. If you turn your uh, notes over in the very back, the last page in the back, you'll see a sample budget. I decided not to put numbers in there, but just some categories. You can do this as you wish. It's the very back there, last page in the back. You guys got it? Do I have it? Here you go. I've listed there a sample budget. Nothing fancy here. You can find these online. I'll talk about that as well a little later. But here's one on paper. Um, you may want to choose to you may choose to categorize some of the expenses differently. But I chose these categories primarily because I wanted to give you some percentages. And these percentages were given by Larry Burkett. And basically they described the average. I don't know where all he got his stats here, but basically the average and suggested average um, for different categories um, give you something to look at. You'll notice that housing, I'll talk about that a little more. Yes, 36% of your net spendable income should go to housing. I think here in Miami that we may have to nudge that up a little bit. I would be... I personally wouldn't feel too much too comfortable going over 40% personally. I think many financial advisors would say the same thing. So we may have to tweak that a little bit for Miami. But you'll see groceries, 12%. Automobile, 12%. I think housing and automobile would be the two that I would increase slightly for South Florida, knowing the cost of insurance um, down here. That means if you increase those, you have to decrease the others as well. You'll see insurance listed. Hopefully you don't have debt. So 5% is not saying you should have 5% debt, okay. That would be at least the average uh, for the American family. Um, entertainment, recreation, clothing, savings, medical expenses, and miscellaneous. So we'll refer back to this a little later on, but that's just a sample of how you may want to lay out your budget if you do not have one. Once again, I'd be making categories that serve you the best. Um, this is only a suggestion for you. But what is most needed is that you do have a budget, and it is set up and you are tracking it as well. 
We'll see, living by a budget. This is what I want to spend my time on here this evening, right here. As I mentioned earlier, it's one thing to have a budget. It's another thing to live by it. That is, to let it guide you in your decisions that you make. For those of you who may already be operating by a budget, maybe you can relate to this, but it can too too easily become simply an income and expense report, i.e., you put in your expenses after you make them, and then you analyze the month instead of letting them guide you in future decisions. And that's where I want to go to, is to help us guide us in the choices that we make. So it has to operate as something that would dictate or help us make decisions regarding the future. Well, here are some ideas to maintain a budget and prevent overspending or debt. Number one, use a budget register, much like a checkbook register. I believe I have one there in your back, the other flip side of your sample budget there. A simple register that you may want to use. Once again, you can do this online as well through a computer program. If you prefer to do it on paper, this is simply one way to do it. That you would have your budget amounts listed monthly on the top of that column, and then you'd be working your way down, subtracting from that, from every expenditure, so you know throughout the month where you stand on every given category. That is helpful. That's going to help you make decisions wisely and purposefully. So use a budget register. Number two, if credit card misuse or overspending has been a pattern, as we talked about earlier, get rid of your credit card. I would encourage those who have struggled in this area to go to a cash envelope system. That's what I mean by that. Um, you may want to put some of your regular periodic monthly bills, if you can. Um, pay them electronically or through your checking account. I think that's fine. But you may have certain categories that you consistently overspend in, particularly in the areas we'll talk about eating, groceries, etc. I would highly encourage you, this is a problem, to go to a cash-based system. And basically, you're depositing your check, you're withdrawing cash for those categories. You're putting it in an envelope for that month. You spend money in that envelope only for that given category. And when the money's out, the money's out for that month. Takes a little extra work. You have to have cash on hand. But it is, I think, the best way to keep you accountable if you are prone, if you are chronic overspenders, to go to a cash-based system, at least on some of your categories. It does require keeping cash. but it does require also carrying that cash envelope with you if you're going on a date, for example, that you know how much you have to spend. But it keeps you accountable, and we need accountability in these areas. We need help. We need to help ourselves in any way we can. So that might be a system you want to consider, particularly if credit card usage, usage has been abused. All right? Number three, they want to have a fixed place in your home where you can put your bills. Maybe it's a bill box or a drawer and pay your bills perhaps even having a monthly bill schedule so you know when to anticipate those uh, mailers will come, envelopes will come, and when you must pay your certain bills every month. Set aside two fixed bill days each month to do, to pay the bills and record expenditures. Once again, thinking wisely, carving out time, and being intentional about keeping our budget and our payment of bills up to date. Four, consider purchasing a financial program such as Quicken or Microsoft Money to record all income and expenditures. 
these programs really are easy to learn. I think they're worth the investment. They have many easy reports. Not only do they have great bar graphs to analyze your spending, but have many reports you can do, budget reports that you can print out and look at on a regular basis that will provide you with a way to analyze your budget and also balance your checkbook as well. I've been using Quicken for years. I'm satisfied with it. There's also some other tools there that I recently become aware of that may be of interest to you as well. Not only do you have these programs that you buy and load on your computer, they also have online access, but there are now some web-based financial programs that you can use as well that are free. And a couple of those, one of them I really like is called Mint. Another one is Quicken as well. They just waived their fee. They made it free. And now you can go and you can establish a web-based online Quicken or Mint accounts. And basically what it does is you type in your information. It is secure for all your bank accounts, credit cards, and it continually downloads and categorizes for you your purchases. You may have to help it. If you don't like its categorization, you may want to change it. But it will do that for you regularly. So whenever you log on to your web-based financial account, it will have downloaded all the transactions from your bank accounts as well as your credit card. It puts it all in there into your budget, into graphs, all neatly, nicely there for you. Once again, it's free. Uh, I'm just looking at the Quicken one today. A little, um, This is new to me as well. Um, it doesn't have all the tools that a full software program would have loaded on your computer. I don't know how far, what kind of history it has in the transactions. I think it goes back to at least a year, but I'm not sure if it goes back farther than that as far as the history of your transactions. It is also limited in reports. I'm not even sure if you can print out reports, but you can go on there, and there's many tabs and buttons you can look at that analyze your expenditures. Very helpful. It is free you may want to consider one of these programs as well. If you do, thank you to Lenny, who gave me this website, lifehacker.com, and search for the article, Battle of the Web-Based Personal Finance Apps. Just type that in there, and you'll see an article, and it'll list four or five of the most common free web-based financial programs that you may want to look into, and maybe another tool to help you. It's all there and a lot of more interesting things as well at that website. Well, lastly, five, balance your checking account, a key to keeping your finances in order and a budget accurate. This is a must. For some of you, it may mean learning how to balance your checkbook. Don't be embarrassed if you haven't done it or haven't done it well, don't know how to. It's kind of akin to learning to swim. Maybe a little embarrassed at first, but once you get in and you have someone help you, you can learn it and you won't forget it. And it will serve you so well. Balancing your checkbook is simple, but I felt like I had to put it in there. I talked to many individuals who simply do not know or cannot or have not balanced a checkbook. And they're wondering why checks are balancing on a regular basis. Uh, so let's start there. Get a budget and balance your checkbook. If you don't know how to, I'd be happy to help you or grab someone in your home group as well who might be a little more proficient in that area to help you do that. Great. Well, D, this is where we're going to spend the remainder of our time. It is identifying areas in our budget that we can um, work on, perhaps in reducing our expenditures. So we're going to talk about some common, what I call budget busters. So we're going to talk about a few here. I want this portion of our time to be interactive, so we're going to talk about different categories. If you have suggestions, 
comments, questions, uh, please feel free to raise your hand. We'll talk about it. I simply would hope this would serve you. I want this to be practical. Um, this is an area we all need help in. That's saving money and cutting down our expenditures. So budget busters. As I mentioned here in your notes, uh, many of these came from Crown Ministries. Um, so was Larry Burkett. I've put in a few, just a smidge of my own lessons as well that I've learned over the years and collected that may be helpful for you. But you can see there the website to Crown Ministries, crown.org. A lot of great financial articles. I've used them as a resource in the past. They also have many forms as well, financial forms, budget registers, etc. So it is a website worth checking out um, in this area of budgeting particularly. Well, what are budget busters? They are the large potential problem areas that can ruin a budget. Failure, failure to even control even one of these problems can result in financial disaster in the home. I put it in here. This area is evaluated by typical budget percentages, and the ones I have here are for an income of $36,000 um, for a family of four. So, of course, these percentages may vary. It's just simply there to give you a guideline. All right? These are not absolutes. Well, budget busters, where do we begin? There are so many potential budget busters, but I've put them roughly in order here of ones that I think can, are most common for most of us. In number one, I think it has to be housing. Housing could be the ultimate budget buster, uh, especially here in South Florida, at least until recently. Um, the disparity between income, wages, and cost of living real estate has been quite high. I think the highest in the nation, actually. That gap has been lowered somewhat uh, through the downturn in the economy, but it is still a challenging area. The problem simply is this. Buying homes we simply can't afford. What I mean by that? Buying homes where your mortgage combined with your insurance, your property taxes, and upkeep exceed 40%. Sometimes hitting 50%, sometimes even higher. And of course, until this last year or so, you could get a loan, even though <laughs> the numbers do not add up and are well over 40%. Just because you get a loan doesn't mean you ought to get the loan. All right? Just because they're going to give you the money doesn't mean you ought to take it. This is an area we have to look at very closely. And I was talking to Fernanda the other day, and they were you know, looking at making some decisions regarding buying a house. And there's a lot of pressure out there, particularly now, isn't there? You know, hey, the market, it's a great time to buy. And it is compared to the last several years. Just because there's pressure and good time to buy doesn't mean you ought to buy if you can't afford a home. If your housing expenditures are going to be more than 40%, I don't believe it's wise to go in and make a home, excuse me, buy a home, even if you get the loan. So I respect Fernando even telling me that, saying, hey, you know, I'm feeling the pressure. A lot of people are saying, you got to buy, you got to buy. It's a great time. It is a great time. If you can't afford it, you can't afford it. This is where the patience the self-control, the discipline comes in, does it not? To be strapped in a home where half of your income is going to housing is not a fun place to be, as many of you know. So housing. Well, how about utilities? Well, here are some tips for you as well. If you know some others, you can feel free to jump in as well. Number one, give your home a thorough energy check for proper insulation, caulking, etc. Federal law requires that all utility companies, FPL, 
to offer you a free energy audit of your home. We've had this done. It was helpful. Not only did they come out to your home and look at areas that you can improve upon in reducing your bills, but they also have some literature there for you as well. Number two, beware of ways you can reduce the consumption of all utilities. Here's some fun stats for you right here. Brushing your teeth with tap, tap water running will use approximately 10 gallons of water, but less than one gallon if you turn the tap off while brushing. Simple things that we can do. By the way, here's another cool thing. Went to my dentist the other day. Now, I think he's a reputable dentist. He's been in Miami Lakes for, I think he said, 40 years in practice. He says, uh, did you use toothpaste? I go, yeah, I use toothpaste. He goes, don't. He goes, don't. I go, what do you mean don't use toothpaste? Use water. He says, the latest studies have shown that actually toothpaste actually creates little pock marks and divots in your teeth. And this is some latest research that's come out. So he's been telling all his patients to not use any toothpaste, just to use water. And uh, he's been doing that for about a year now. So he's been checking up on these patients every six months. And so their teeth are no worse for the wear because of it. In fact, some of them are actually better as a result of not using toothpaste. So you can eliminate toothpaste from your budget. Although you may want to buy some mouthwash or rinse, though. I do suggest that. So um, you're not totally off the hook financially, okay? But a little, little tidbit there. A tub of bath consumes 36 gallons. A regular shower, 25 gallons. Turn the shower off while you soap up and use approximately four gallons. It's a huge savings. If you reduce your shower time from 15 minutes to eight minutes, <clears throat> Jose Prado, you will save another $60 a year. We may have to have a budget on just for Jose at PC, just for his showers. I roomed with him at the next conference, so I can testify. Jose, got some work to do, buddy, okay, on the showers here. Yes, right. That would be a victory. That's right. From 60 to 45 minutes for Jose. <laughs> 30 minutes, man. <laughs> Drain the reservoir in Baltimore, man. Uh, uh. Simple things. That's right. The inner harbor was <laughs> getting lower each day. Uh, simple things you can do to save money. Um, Here's another one. Make certain your hot water thermostat is not set too high. They'll tell you what's appropriate, but uh, if you do not have a dishwasher, the thermostat can be set at 120 degrees. All right? That will make a difference in your bill. It has an R's as well. Fourthly, learn to do basic home repairs. I see that as one who <laughs> well, lacks certain skills when it comes to home repairs, but I am learning to do them and uh, save some money in the process. I'm also being sanctified in the process as well. So it's a double win. Being sanctified and saving money at the same time for simple things that you can do. You'll see a little bullet point there in your notes as well. For other saving tips from home to car insurance, check out Clark Howard, the Consumer Warrior. I know there's probably many of them out there. I've listened to Clark in the past. He has a fun website, clarkhoward.com, with many consumer saving tips there for you. So, budget budget number one, definitely revolves on the house. Number two, a close second, has to be groceries, has to be food. That's an area that I think we can all can control and do have some leverage over if we choose to exercise it. Um, grocery shopping, let's start there. Got these stats for you. The average American family of four spends 700 
and nine dollars each month on groceries. Family of four spends seven hundred and nine dollars. I believe that we can, and most of us must do better than that uh, with our budgets. Not easy, but we can. Um, some more stats for you that I find enlightening as well. That forty-seven percent of shoppers go to the grocery store three to four times a week. And every time they go to the grocery store, they end up spending, on average, 54% more than they had planned. If you go to the grocery store more, you are going to spend more. At least that's what the stats say. Many of us are um, enticed by what they call the end-of-aisle displays. It says that 61% of the time, someone goes and buys something unplanned. Usually it's from those end-of-the-aisle displays that you see right there positioned just for you to catch your eye. Every time you go to the store, you often spend more than you plan to. So what's the solution? One of the solutions is go to the store less. Do it less frequently. Um, we are actually trying to do it once a month now. It may not work, but we are attempting it. But for you, it might just be going every one week, every two weeks. Of course, that entails having a freezer. You may be freezing some goods. But once again, curtailing your trips to the stores, those little, little trips that you take, that little extra thing you buy, that little extra snack food that can add up so quickly. Also, in your notes here, use a written list of needs. Prepare a menu for the week or even the month and shop only for the ingredients you are going to need for the menu. <laughs> the second one I like, avoid shopping when hungry. I agree with that. Absolutely. Thirdly, avoid buying non-grocery items in a grocery supermarket, except on sale. Number four, try store brand generic products. Five, avoid expensive prepared and frozen foods. Six, purchase sundry items, household cleaning products and paper products at discount retail stores or retail warehouses, not at grocery stores. And seven, Shop for advertised specials and manufacturers' coupons. That can be helpful. Indeed, it's in a paper. The number of people here at Palm Vista who do shop using many coupons, getting the Sunday paper, of course, where all the coupons do come out. And that can be a good strategy for some. There is a word of caution, though, as well. If you get a great deal through a coupon on an item that you not ordinarily buy, you're not saving money. You're actually spending money. But it's a great deal. I got 88% off. But you never would have bought it otherwise. You have actually spent money, not saved money. So you need to be careful there to use coupons on things that you ordinarily would spend money on and are part of your regular grocery list. All right? And also checking the coupon, which is usually for name brands versus the cost of generic brands as well. So many of you are more proficient than I am in that. It can be a help, but it's that little word of caution as well. Well, this last week, we got a book. I, th I think it's from Elena. I'm not sure who gave it to us. We, we're taking a look at it. It's called America's Cheapest Family Gets You Right on the Money by Steve and Annette Economides. And that is the real name, Economides. Had, had to double-check that. Uh, anyway, they got a great chapter on grocery shopping. Some of the stats that I gave came from that book. Um, I think... And that used to work for a grocer and 
did the marketing, so she's well aware of where they place things in their strategy with low-priced items to entice you in, et cetera. So fascinating chapter on that, and this is an area that often we can improve upon. You'll see the website uh, that the economies have with a lot of budget-saving tips, particularly in the area of money, but also in other items as well. Also, another potential website for you to look at, Frugal Living. Dot TV as well. A lot of budget saving tips as well. I was looking through their uh, kids eat free uh, list they had of different chains and restaurants around the nation where kids can eat free. Just simple stuff like that. If you do go out to um, make sure you're eating out is not a budget buster. Many other things at these websites. Just some resources for you. Grocery, housing, and grocery. The two biggies. Any questions there before we move on to some others? Yes, Cindy. Yeah, assortment uh, of different items. It could be deodorant, toothpaste, etc. Things that aren't related to, say, to, to different items. What's that? But no toothpaste anymore. No toothpaste. You are released. That's right. That's right. Deodorant? That's two Martinez distributors. Yes, we've used them. That's right. It's great prices as well. And that's where is it? Is it Hylia, Opalaka? Where is that? That's, it's in Doral. Okay. Yes. We're doing a little research as, as well on just meats and such. And what we found is that we're a larger family, a family of six. So a warehouse club like Costco, which we're a member of, does help us in many areas. Um, we also were curious to do some comparisons with that and a Walmart. And what we found is that Meat and milk was cheaper at Walmart, but most of the other items for us, because we buy in bulk, were actually cheaper at Costco. But it's worth the price these things out as well. So that's kind of our strategy is some of the big items at Costco, but milk and meat at Walmart. And um, really, we avoid the grocery stores pretty much altogether at this point, price-wise. We find them, yeah, it is expensive. Just for the recording, combining coupons. Yes, at Publix, they do allow that, huh? So, so for the recording here, gr grocery, the grocery game, the grocery game dot com, right? Grocery. Oh, you pay per store, and they'll tell you in advance. I want this to catch them the recording here. Pay, pay in advance. What sales will be on? Huh? A lot of work too. That's right. <laughs> Great, thank you, Cindy. I any others here? Great. The next potential budget buster certainly could be. Automobiles. We've talked a little bit about this as well. And uh, here are some ways to avoid automobile problem areas that could become budget busters. Uh, number one, evaluate the reason for trading in your car. Is it a need or simply a desire? Can a present car be repaired for less than six monthly payments on a new car? If it can, the suggestion would be go ahead, keep that car, make the repairs. Uh, thirdly, pay cash for a new car. I would say yes and amen to that. If not, make sure the current car is paid off before purchasing a new one. Uh, fourthly, buy a quality used car rather than a new one. Avoid car fleecing. That is leasing. Number five. Number six, learn to do routine maintenance and minor repairs yourself. Number seven, purchase supplies at wholesale distributors. Eight, consider dropping collision insurance 
if the car is four years old or older, comprehensive and collision. And lastly, reduce the use of your automobile. Hey, well, that's an idea, huh? That's a novel idea for us Americans, isn't it? Um, you know, just uh, basically, like when, when, it, when the uh, prices for gas hit about, what, $4 a while back? I really started doing the math. It was amazing. Just a simple trip to Pembroke Pines from where we, we live. It was costly. The stats I have here are a little old. Um, it says drive efficiently, doing your errands as few trips as possible. Ownership and operating costs for a typical new compact car driven 10,000 miles per year for five years was 47 cents a mile. I know that currently the IRS limit on reimbursement, which covers the cost of operating a car for business, is 55 cents um, a mile. So roughly that's what the IRS has calculated the cost for, for you to operate and run your car. That includes insurance as well as upkeep and maintenance. So do the math. For 55 cents per mile, it adds up pretty quickly, the cost of a trip. So are you using your automobile wisely? Are you combining errands on one trip? Simple suggestion that can actually save quite a bit in gas also and wear and tear on the car as well. Well, how about a new versus a used car? The depreciation on a new car is usually 25% or more the day it is driven away from the dealer. So if you're going to buy a new car, I suggest you keep it for a while, a long while. Uh, many families will buy new cars they cannot afford and trade them long before the utility is depleted. Those who buy a new car keep it for less, this on average, than four years and then trade it for a newer model. If they've done so, they've wasted a maximum amount of money. In most cases, it pays to keep the car that you have. Thirdly, the average monthly repairs, the typical American car on the road, which is approximately seven years old, is generally about 5% of a family's budget, which includes tire, batteries, tune-ups, and major repairs. A new car usually takes about 15% of the family's income to buy. Obviously, there may be less repairs, but do the math. And you'll see that, once again, generally speaking, a used car is a better deal in the long run for your budget. A uh, little note there. Some justify buying a new car because it gets better gas mileage than their existing car. In some cases, they would have to drive their car for 20 years or more to reap mileage savings equal to the car's costs. We're good, aren't we, at justifying <laughs> new purchases? <laughs> but let's be honest with ourselves, okay? Yeah, Lenny. Let's have this on. I want to have some recording, so I'm going to smooth this over here. Going to say uh, one good tip for uh, do-it-yourself repairs is to buy the manual. It usually costs twelve to eighteen dollars in uh, AutoZone or something like that for your vehicle. You get to with pictures and everything, step-by-step -step instructions. So. That's right. I need pictures. I'm grateful for pictures. Yes, <laughs> in the manual. Any others on automobiles? Any? Yeah, we're we're considering buying a car, and. Uh, I'm kind of weary of going to a dealer like CarMax to buy the used car. I mean, I, I, I hear you on the 25% savings, and I'm just wondering if you have any advice for, for this move, you know? 
Well, go to someone you trust, first of all. That's the big one, isn't it? Yeah, who can you trust? Huh? I have a couple ideas, but yes, Nando, go ahead. Do you have one? Yeah, Consumer Reports. There's quite a few websites out there, definitely, where you can, you can do your homework now. We have the Internet, and that can be a blessing when it comes to doing research for a car. I'm not sure, Fernando. I've done this before. I don't know. It worked for us, but we got our van that we currently have at an auction, and basically has low mileage, mileage on it. Usually what they are is rent, rental cars um, that are dumped after five, ten, fifteen thousand miles, and they're auctioned off. So that gave me a, a peace of mind that we could get a car through an auction. It still had its warranty in place. The depreciation had already taken place. I think what we got, we got our van and had four thousand miles on it but it depreciated considerably already because it wasn't new. Got out of action, but it still had its warranty. So I knew that was safe there. So it was a new work car that shaved quite a few thousand dollars off it simply by getting it at an auction. No, actually someone does it for you. Usually, yeah, it's not for you, so you pay them. They, they get a, a far, yeah, I haven't tried online. I know that the one I used, it's someone, someone I knew. Um, it was, it was in Lakeland. I don't know about down here in, in South Florida. This was in Lakeland personally. But you used to that I was aware of, recommended to me. He did this. He was a buyer in auctions. Yeah, you can't do it personally. I know it's someone who does it for you. You tell them what you're looking for, how many miles, what models you want. You don't know exactly where you're going to give. You can tell them, you know, what you basically want and what you agree to. He'll go to the auction and he'll buy it for you, you know. So, uh, but he has to be a licensed auction dealer or buyer. So, might be another option for you as well. Good question. Well, cars, how about next? Another budget buster. Can be what we talked about last week, insurance. Um, insurance should be used as a supplementary provision for the family. Catch this, not for protection or profit, particularly profits. An insurance plan is not designed for saving money or retirement. There are many plans out there that combine both. Not only do you get some form of life insurance, but also some kind of retirement and stock options as well. Whole life, there's universal, universal variable life. There's a variety of plans. Um, the fees are very easy, very high, often hidden. Would not recommend. No one I have read recommends these. No financial counselors. Only the people actually selling them <laughs> are the ones that would actually recommend them. So I would discourage. I would simply buy insurance, pure insurance, and not try to combine it with some type of retirement um, in the same plan. You're going to be paying a lot more for that. I'd rather buy term insurance sh separately, and then if you want to invest some money, invest that separately from the term insurance. You'll be a lot better off. Do you have a question there, Jose? Uh, right, right. Yeah, certainly. I, I'm looking primarily to cover my wife should I die through the years of raising children, basically, primarily. That's what I'm concerned with. Yes, Cindy. Right, right. Good, quite, good question. I, I have not looked into that personally. I'm aware of some who do that, so I don't know if I could speak to that. Uh, no, I wouldn't say it's wrong, but once again, um, you want to look, check around as well. You know, those who are giving you the advice, do they have a vested interest, you know, in what they're sharing with you? Um, but I wouldn't say it's certainly not morally wrong, or is it, I know I'm not saying that, but it, it's a wise use of money. Um, I mean, there's questions that, that go beyond money as well, family and, uh, you know, future, so... Um, once again, you do, do your homework there, and I think that's a, a prayerful consideration. Yeah, I just haven't looked into it to know it, to speak to it. Yes, Lenny. Good question. Yeah, how do you think through that? Uh, how much term insurance? There's a lot of. 
I found that financial counselors, that there's formulas out there, but I find they're just exorbitant. Uh, I mean, I, in my conscience, I don't feel like I could get that much. I'm not sure there's a right answer there, bro. How do I think through it? I'm looking at mentally paying off the house. And, but, you know, the question is, do I want to provide everything for my children and my wife from my point of death <laughs> to their death? No. Um, the reality is, and I think Randy Alcorn says this in his book as well, um, my wife may get remarried, and I'm not discouraging that. <laughs> I don't want to leave a widow with millions and millions of dollars. <laughs> I don't, you know? <laughs> um, which is a good point. Exactly. Exactly. She will get married faster, yeah, for all the wrong reasons, exactly, you know. I think that was his point, you know. So, you know, personally, I would want to feel like a house is covered. She could stay there in the house with the kids and could provide for some of her needs. But I'm not necessarily trying to provide for all her needs for all the years to come either. So, how much I can give you a number there, bro? Yeah, good question. That's something you need to sort through yourself personally and definitely pray about and talk to your wife about as well. So consider uh, buying ter- term life insurance. Um, I've used Quotesmith.com. And there's some others for comparisons and rates. I'll give you a comparison there. The cheapest rates for the term that you want and for the amount of coverage that you would desire. Um, number two, if medical coverage is not provided by an employer, consider buying major medical insurance rather than hospitalization. This insurance is relatively inexpensive, yet it covers up to 80% of medical expenses due to catastrophic illness or injuries. I do not have this person, but what I understand is it covers the majors. It's not going to cover your, necessarily your doctor visits, etc. But should anything major happen where you're incapacitated or need hospital stay for many days, which of course can add up very quickly, you would be covered. Uh, thirdly, as an alternative to the above, you may want to consider a Christian co-op. This is not an insurance that will also cover catastrophic illness or injuries at an even cheaper cost. This is what I'm currently using and have used. I've used both of these in the past. The Christian Care Ministry MediShare program. The website is there. Also Samaritan Ministries, which I currently have. Um, we at Palm Vista, Al Jose and I do not have insurance, but we go through the Christian Co-op. This does not cover medical expenses, routine, physicals, but it would cover us. Um, I think it's any injury-related qualified injury or expense of $500 or over, and certainly long-term hospital care as well. So it's covering the accidents. It's not covering routine preventative care, all right? It's pooled money, so everyone is pooling their money each month nationally, and it's dispersed to qualified medical needs. So really, you're pooling your money. It's not an insurance. It's actually quite a bit cheaper, a lot cheaper, um, and basically, that's why we went with it. We just simply couldn't afford uh, insurance for a family of six. Um, so this was an uh, attractive offer alternative for us. Good question. I, boy, I'm a little rusty there. Um, do you remember how I said? Do you remember that or not? How's it handle pregnancies? Lenny, I don't know if it does cover pregnancies. Um, when we, we have it now, the time when we had our, I don't recall if looking at that. I don't think it does. Or there may be a certain provision, a rider, so to speak, not an insurance, but an extra if you were going to be covered. Yeah. Right. Good question. 
So two alternatives for you with the websites listed. Next, debt. Well, hopefully you do not have debt, but if you do, um, that is a part you have to work into your budget as well. That's about destroying all credit cards if need be. It's a first step. Secondly, establish a payment schedule that includes all your creditors. We talked in PVI class two about using the snowball. Remember that snowball, right? To pay off your debt. So have that worked into your budget. Number three, contact all creditors. Honestly relate your problems and arrange an equitable repayment plan. There are also some Christian agencies that will help you do that as well, negotiate on your behalf. Um, that I've referred people to in the past and uh, to help them negotiate with their creditors. Uh, certainly is possible and recommended as well. And fourthly, we talked about this already, buy on a cash basis and sacrifice your wants and desires until you are current, i.e. out of debt. Well, next, budget buster, entertainment and recreation. Ah, yes, question there. Sorry, how's that? So actually call them and cancel your credit card. Yes, yes. Good. Well, entertainment and recreation, another budget buster. Vacations and eating out are the primary sources of credit card debt accumulation. And these are big-time budget busters. Perhaps I should have had those earlier on on a list here, but they definitely are near the top as well. And it comes to food, well, the top budget busters I always look at first in my budget and anyone's budget that I have a chance to look at is eating out. This is the killer right here. It can sneak up and it'll bite you. Eating out. If possible, brown bag your lunch at work. Bring your lunch. Take your lunch to work. Uh, simple. Takes thinking ahead in the morning or the night before, but well worth it. Take your leftovers, whatever you have. Or raid your neighbor's office. Jose is very good at that, right? That's right. <laughs> oh. Number two, buy one entree and salad and split it with your spouse. Yes, that can save a lot of money. And um, it took me a while to get to this one, you know? I was kind of possessive on my own meal, you know? But, uh, you know, you know? But I'm grown in this area and uh, I see the wisdom, you know? <laughs> What's that? That's a crazy talk. That's a. <laughs> Uh, it could be war, World War Three, there, huh? Over that meal. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> good chance for conflict. Re- good time for conflict re- resolution. Yes. Oh, number three: drink water for your beverage and have dessert at home. It costs approximately eighty percent more to have a comparable meal at a fast food restaurant than at home. If you do eat out. You might want to check out restaurant.com for local deals. You can get coupons for local um, places here at quite a discount. Um, There are some stipulations, but I have definitely used that in the past for date nights. Recreation hints. Plan vacations off-season if possible. Number two, I love this one. Go camping. Go camping, yes, to avoid motel and restaurant expenses. Ah, uh, yes. Number three, select vacation areas within a couple hours of driving distance. Four, I've always wanted to do this. I'm always looking for friends, you know, different, you know, up in the mountains, you know. Consider swapping residences with a friend, relative, or Christian family in another locale. And I was thinking, we have two churches in Denver, you know, in Colorado, you know, so I'm, I'm trying to make the connection there, you know. And, uh, 
Number five, consider two or more families taking a vacation together. We have done this. We're doing it again this year. It is a lot of fun, and it does help on expenses as well. Number six, play family games in a place of paid entertainment. And if you need to fly, use the least expensive coach fare, which is usually late night or early morning. And it is early morning with a two-hour check-in prior. All right. Well, there's a lot of stuff here. I may have to reduce some here. Actually, no, we're almost done here. Um, next one I have listed here is clothing. Learn to be utilizers of resources rather than consumers. How many families have closets full of clothes they no longer wear? Not because they're worn out, because they are out of style. Do your purchases reflect good utility rather than ego? Do you buy your clothes to satisfy a need or a desire? Make a written list of clothing needs and purchase during the off-season when possible. Select outfits that are mixed and can use multiple combinations rather than a single set. Select clothing made of home washable fabrics, i.e. avoiding dry cleaning expenses. Try the discount outlets that carry unmarked name brands, you know, like Ross and Marshalls and others. Uh, number five, swap children's clothes with friends. I know a lot of that happens here. Hand-me-downs here at the church that is, we've definitely benefited from and have saved us quite a bit of money. Uh, got a website there for you, bradsdeals.com. They have quite a few coupons of all different items and retailers, definitely a lot on clothing, but also restaurants, you name it. Uh, might be a fun place for you to take a look at. There are definitely some deals to be had there as well. All right, next, savings. It's important, as we talked about, to establish some savings. Um, don't have time there for all that. I just want to encourage an automatic bank withdrawal if you can from your checking account, if you want to establish a savings. Therefore, it goes into your checking account, and it goes right to your savings account or money market, whatever you have, without you touching it. I find that very helpful um, to have that set up, established on a monthly basis. I already talked about the snowball, number four, a pain down debt, number five, having an emergency fund. Once again, this is going to vary. Um, many experts would say three to six months. I'll be honest, I did not have six months. I'm working towards three. So, you know, it's, it's a goal. It's a goal, guys. All right. Medical dental expenses. Set aside money. We've got to figure this into our budget, whether we want to or not for expenses, perhaps some that are unplanned. They need, you need to have a margin in your budget for those things as well. Number two is a fascinating point. Do not be hesitant to question doctors and dentists in advance about costs. You know, it's funny. Most retailers, we, anyway, if we're going to go shop for a, a car or anything, we're going to ask them how much does it cost, right? How much does the repair cost? But it comes to the doctor, it's funny. How often do you ask how much does that cost? You can shop around as well. Maybe you don't because you have insurance, but for those who don't have insurance, I'm going to shop around with my doctor. I want to know if he's qualified, but I also want to know what his prices are. I'm going to talk to him in advance, tell him I do not have insurance, I'm going to pay cash. Please tell me what is your cash rates for that procedure. And uh, they should have a cash rate for you. And uh, I think we need to shop around with doctors. I should shop around for anything else that we would buy on a regular basis. Yes. So you can set up payment plans with doctors. Yes, at 0%. All right. Yes, Cindy. At the college level, Great. 
Great. Miami Day College, a dentistry program. You can go there as well. Medical Center. I've also heard of Nova does it as well. Um, I've also heard of beauty schools as well for haircuts, etc. There are places, yes. They get it free or minimal cost for the treatment. Right. Great. Thank you, Cindy. Uh, we can read the, the rest there on dental and prescriptions. Shop around for prescriptions as well. Yes. Yes, you're the man. That's great. Yeah. Wow, great. Walmart or Costco, definitely. We've used Costco. We use Costco. That's great. I didn't know that you don't have to be a member of Costco, though, to use. That's great. To use the pharmacy. Did not know that. That's very helpful. Yes, not all are equal when it comes to pricing. So look at Walmart, Costco, those kind of warehouses, wholesale, as well as generic drugs as well. Ask if they have a generic drug. They often do. But they won't always tell you. Yeah. Great. Well, I'm not going to talk about anything about miscellaneous here, but here's just one little tip for you. Don't let this category become too large. This can become the catch-all category. It can become the largest category in your budget after a while. You don't know where to put it. You put it in miscellaneous. So if that's a point, look at what's going into miscellaneous, and you may have to create new categories to keep this as a small portion of your budget, okay? Um, it's not going to serve you to have everything dumped in there um, when you analyze your budget, all right? Well, investments. If you have any money to invest after this course, <laughs> well done. <laughs> after you're giving taxes and all the rest. But um, there's a couple things here for you um, that I've benefited from in the past. Uh, number one book in my mind that's helped me is called Sound Mind Investing by Austin Pryor. He's a Christian. I think he has a great perspective. He explains how stocks work, how bonds work, how investments work. Very knowledgeable in this area. Does a great job of walking you through. He writes it so you can understand and be educated about how to think through making investments. Excellent book. It's everything there you'd want to learn more about investing. Can't recommend that book highly enough. He also has a monthly financial newsletter that I have subscribed to in the past. If you are investing, I'll give you updates on certain funds um, and recommendations as well. A um, lot of things there, plus just little neat tidbits each month about saving money, about investing, etc. So Sound Mind Investing, you see the website there as well, listed on the bottom of your page. All right. Well, great. Well, that is a whirlwind, I know, of budget busters. Questions? Yes. So when you say pay yourself, you mean, what are you saying? No, no, you're saying that you have somebody that you can spend any way you like personally, you're saying? Gotcha. Uh -huh. Yeah, we have a little part in our budget for Cindy and I, just personally. It's not much, but it's just a little fun money that we can spend any way we want. Yeah, we're not accountable to one another for it. It's not a whole lot, but yeah, you have the freedom, you know, to grab a coffee, get a bite to eat, et cetera, and it's your money. Any other questions or thoughts here? Yeah, we've been duped, haven't we, with the toothpaste industry all these years. We have down <laughs> with Crest, down with Aquafresh. No. <laughs> Uh, yes. Was there one back there? Was it Sonia? I see your hand up earlier. Yeah. You may want to hold on to it longer, but basically, when the, hurt, when the car is appreciated in value considerably, the money you would get for the car, should it be in a collision, would be worth it to keep the extra insurance. So once a car gets older and depreciates, you're not going to get a whole lot of money for it if the car is totaled. So for an older car, you need to get basic insurance. Um, PIP and et cetera. There's liabilities you have to get, but you don't have to get collision. Okay, that means if your car is totaled, you don't get any money for it. Okay, the people in it are personally insured, but um, 
so just looking at the cost of holding the extra insurance, the extra premium versus what you're going to get in return if it's an old car. So four years isn't, isn't a law, but you may want to go on Kelly, you know, our blue book and look at the value of the car in its condition with its mileage. What is it actually worth? You get an idea what the insurance company may offer you should it be totaled and say, is it worth the extra premium if this is what I'm going to get from the car? You know, should it be totaled? Yes. Well, guys, as you come across things, I'd love to hear them. I will continually update this list. This is just things that I've pulled together for different resources and personal experience. But as you have websites or tips, some of you have already forwarded this to me and I've used in this class. I would really appreciate that. I'm sure we'll give this class again and we can continue to update it and to educate our folks on ways we can save money together and be better stewards of God's money that's releasing money for his kingdom purposes. With that in mind, let, let us pray in closing. We need God's help here, don't we? Well, Father, we do desire to be good stewards of your money, that on the day that we see you face to face, we may hear, well done, my good and faithful servant, in all areas, including how we've handled earthly possessions. So, Lord, help us in this area. Help us to grow in this area. Help us to own up confess in the areas that we are weak, where we have lacked self-control and patience, Lord, and diligence. Lord, so help us to grow in this area. Help us, Lord, to learn to appreciate and to even enjoy uh, the work that this entails in budgeting, Lord, for the purpose of freeing up money that we can give away, that we can free and mobilized resources to see our church grow, to plant further churches, Lord, to see your gospel go forth to all the nations. So, Father, impress upon our hearts that what we're doing here in our budgets, the choices that we're making each day, have an impact, Lord, on the world around us and our very church and what you're doing in and through us at Palm Vista. So, Lord, grow us in this area, we pray. Lord, thank you that, Lord, you have entrusted us with so much you are the owner, and yet you've given us so much. May we labor now with grateful hearts unto you, and may we be wise stewards. Amen. Amen.